the Iconic Podcast. This episode was recorded live at our 2020 symposium. Each year, Icon holds an academic symposium which allows third-year students an opportunity to deliver a public talk based on their own personal research projects. In December last year, six students were selected nationally to present their research. Levi's talk was recorded live over Zoom and is entitled Truth Sense, A Reconciliation of Presence and Emergence. You can read his abstract for this presentation in the episode notes. Enjoy. Good evening, everyone. Um, my name is Levi Carroll. I'd like to dedicate this presentation with gratitude and respect to my cohort from ICON, Vic Bip 2 to Dr. Trail Dowie, Dr. Daniel Rothschild, Mr. Chris Caldwell, and Mr. Nigel Denning. This presentation will begin with a short story. It is, it is taken from the life of Isa in the Sufi tradition. I think it speaks in simple terms to the themes addressed in more technical language in the presentation proper. Isa one day saw some people sitting miserably on a wall by the roadside. He asked, what is your affliction? They said, we have become like this through our fear of hell. He went on his way and saw a number of people grouped disconsolately by the wayside. He said, what is your affliction? They responded, Desire for paradise has made us like this. He went on his way until he came to a third group of people. They looked like people who had endured much, but their faces shone with joy. Isa asked them, What has made you this way? They answered, The spirit of truth. We have seen reality, and this has made us oblivious of lesser goals. Isa said, These are the people who attain. On the day of accounting, these are they who will be in the presence of God. The idea of an embodied experience of truth has a long history. It has been expressed variously in the contemplative and philosophical traditions, both Eastern and Western. Each of these traditions have sophisticated, and in some cases esoteric, ontological and epistemological systems associated with their respective articulations of truth in the body. Although significant in their own right, these systems will not be the focus of my presentation. For reasons of brevity, relevance, and timeliness, my focus here is on the less documented subject of how the interceptive experience of truth manifests in the context of, and is relevant to, psychotherapy. The present state of this subject is a somewhat dismembered body of work. Beginning in the 1960s, it spans psychoanalysis, focusing, and arrives in its most developed form in the recent trend of eclecticism. No one seeming to pay attention to what came before them, we are left with a disjointed series of threads on the subject. Most lacking has been an adequate integration, not only of the existing psychological apprehensions, but of those with more broad-stroking developmental models. As I'll seek to explain, such a synthesis would require an examination of our ontological presuppositions about self, an examination with implications not only for reconciling linear and non-linear views of human development, but also for practice and daily life. In the history of psychotherapy, this subject seems to have its written genesis in the work of the Kleinian analyst Wilfred Bion. Bion's contributions include truth drive, truth instinct, and the more clinically pragmatic suggestion that truth is needed for well-being. A few decades, a few decades later, Eugene Gendlin, originator of the Focusing School, developed his ideas of implicit meaning and bodily knowing. 
These ideas mark a movement toward increased sophistication in the overall evolution of understanding truth, the body, and psychotherapy. Gendlin's work in this area is most cogently expressed with his assertion, there is no representational equation between bodily, bodily knowing and sentences. What he seems to be saying here is that the experience of knowing is not necessarily subject to a causative sequence that proceeds from the felt sense into language or vice versa. Rather that the thin experiential film between these levels may be a process unto itself, and that the felt quality we term affect in turn has non-representational communicative features of its own. Though considerable, these contributions are limited by their appreciation of what might allow for an embodied experience of truth. Expressed in the work of Bian, Gendlin and their colleagues over several decades, is a concern for a phenomenon they deem seriously worthy of attention. Their respective vernaculars, however, fall short of explaining how it is theoretically possible. Diana Foch's work is the culmination of this area, with her 2000, 2001 introduction to the term truth sense. Foch's work in this area is the most sophisticated and integrative currently available, drawing on biological, psychological, and relational understandings. Describing subjective experiences had by her long-term clients, she writes of an inner core state. This state is marked by groundedness, embodiment, a clear and integrated sense of narrative self, and in her words, the felt belief in the fundamental truthfulness of experience, truth sense. Truth sense is defined as an affect. It apparently marks the presence of this core state and has, again in her words, the felt aesthetic of rightness, the rightness of one's experience. Absent of a definition of the therapeutic process within which to be contextualized, this, con is, this concept is somewhat isolated. If we consider psychotherapy more generally to be something that helps people to grow up, a useful way to define it might be as the integration of memory. More specifically, the integration of developmental memory at each level of the nervous system. In light of this, when we have been in therapy for a while, we become integrated. We are embodied. We understand where we have come from. How this continues to impact us and how we might change. At the level of narrative, we know who we are. And rich clinical language exists for measuring and describing this. But Foscher takes it further, suggesting that out of this space of integration, we have access to a felt capacity for discernment, which orients us to what is true at an individual level. As I've indicated, truth sense is the most sophisticated conception of embodied truth yet developed in the context of psychotherapy. It is for this reason that I'm giving time and attention to unpacking it. However, an inconsistency presents itself when doing so, one that is not rectified by the existing literature. For instance, Absent in the work on truth sense is a meta-conceptualization of human organization and development. And in other bodies of work where such a meta-understanding is presented, there is no appreciation of, or even room for, truth as affect. In simple terms, what Foscher has done is create an amalgam of various existing bodies of psychological theory and inserted into it the subjective, the subjective phenomenon of truth sense, without explaining how they fit together. She has not developed an ontology of self that would explain in what way it is possible for this thing called truth sense to exist. In particular, the term affect is used in its more sublinary sense while also being used as the characteristic feature of truth sense, a phenomenon far from mundane. 
If we consider for a moment the contemporary views that are held about, about affect, grounded in evolutionary biology, we see it being defined as, a, as an embodied process modulated by two systems of regulation. The primary system communicates the physiological state of the organism in seven characteristic states. These states are accessible to all mammals, and truth is not one of them. The secondary, more commonly known as mentalization, is the more sophisticated mental representation of the primary system relative to memory. To exemplify an action of this dual system, consider how the basic state of rage, as an affect, is integrated into the self-structure as the emotion of anger through mentalizing. Rather than there just being the undifferentiated state of rage, the experience becomes personalized. I am angry about that thing for this reason. But there are important ways in which truth sense does not align with this psychobiological apprehension of affect. It is stated, for instance, to communicate something more than the physiological state of the organism, namely personal truth, which apparently includes a discriminative knowing quality as well as affective tone. A central question thus becomes, at what point does the sense of truth sense become communicative of truth? Is it prior to or after mental representation? Framed differently, is truth present prior to sense, where the two become unified through the process of self-development and reflection? Or is the truth component merely an expression of the integration of memory, serving to indicate the stability of the narrative self? This latter possibility is in keeping with the prevailing standards of psychological theory, particularly as they posit a primarily biological substrate for the self. However, the former possibility, that truth precedes sense, and that they are unified into one process as the capacities to sense and reflect on sensing are developed, espouses a dimension of self-experience that is realised rather than developed. This affective truth, reported independently by people in long-term therapy, is subtly incongruent with existing psychobiological theory. Truth is not generally considered to be an affect, and a key feature of interceptive experience as it is typically understood is that it is perceived through thought. There is a learned process of thinking about the body, not only as a means of regulation for functioning's sake, but as comprising one's sense of self. It happens relative to the memory of being a certain kind of person, a certain identity. The significance here is that Foscher is pointing to the body, specifically truth sense, as being directly communicative of truth, where truth is more than the mere representational overlay of memory. A counter-argument might be that what Foscher describes is simply personal reactivity to impersonal truth, that our clients are experiencing something that is true for us all, shaped by their past relationship to it. But it is only after a long term of psychotherapy that they reach the experience of truth sense. As such, it likely necessitates not only an integration of the past, but a strong capacity for self-reflection, perhaps positing a category of experience that is little documented in this context. A category of experience that may indeed be novel. To return to the story at the beginning of this presentation, you might recall a third group of people, how they looked like people who had endured much, but their faces shone with joy. Of relevance here is that they did not report going beyond themselves, disappearing into the clouds. What they said had made them this way was their individual experience of seeing reality, what they term the spirit of truth. My impression from having read this story over and over, is that they are not trying to avoid, to avoid suffering or to improve morally, 
as the first two groups were. They were simply interested in the truth of their experience, and this by itself led to a kind of felt significance. What I'm really wanting to emphasize here is that it is not universal truth that is being communicated in truth sense. It is something much more personal, but it is also not truth relative only to narrative, although an integrated narrative seems to be required. It is truth about that person's particular situation as felt through the body in a seemingly non-representational way. You might also notice that this direction of thought stands somewhat apart from the contemporary proliferation of what is called non-duality. And I'm not wanting to knock that. I don't doubt there is an underlying unity. But who am I? Am I really just a loop of memory to be transcended? I don't think so. And I see truth sense as making certain strides toward conceptualizing such a non-representational dimension of self-experience. An idea that has existed for a long time elsewhere, but has only recently begun to emerge in the context of psychotherapy. Finally, I see truth sense as an important contribution to making sense of human organization and experience. I also want to stress that it is not a novel insight, rather that truth sense is a partial but more psychologically grounded way of articulating a phenomenon that has been perennially appreciated, and that this presentation has been an effort to communicate it in language familiar to psychotherapeutic parlance. I also see the implications of embodied truth whether it, whether it be termed truth sense or something else, as calling into question the prevailing developmental sequence of pre-personal, personal and post-personal. Rather than rendering obsolete this linear view, I see truth sense as something that might integrate it with the, with the seemingly contrary view that human development is a process of uncovering what is already there. And in so doing, it contributes to reconciling the dichotomy that currently exists between the respective developmental ontologies of presence and emergence. Thus, a reasonably novel category of experience is hypothesized, a category that is utmost personal, but is not a representation, a category that might be prototypical of what we usually call the personal. The pragmatic implications of this in turn are that our ongoing development needn't, needn't necessarily be about transcendence, and that the spirit of truth, truth sense, is a possible entrance into this way of being, a way of being that is neither personal, in the usual sense, nor post-personal, but is marked by an alignment with what is uniquely impersonally true, what Foscher calls the fundamental truthfulness of experience. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another Iconic Podcast. Stay tuned for more. It's always Iconic. Iconic.